Welcome to Experience This, the podcast that celebrates remarkable customer experiences and inspires you to stand out from the competition by wowing your customers. Each episode, we bring you a healthy dose of inspiring stories, funny interactions, and practical takeaways. Marketing and customer experience thought leader, Dan Gingas shares the mic with customer retention and employee experience expert, Joey Coleman, helping you to get people talking about your business. So get ready because it's time to experience this. Get ready for another episode of the Experience This Show. Join us as we discuss why your branding may spoil the experience, how to use nostalgia in unexpected ways, and what your culture says about your customer experience. Packaging, listening, and interviewing. Oh my! We love telling stories and sharing key insights you can implement or avoid based on our experiences. Can you believe that this just happened? Friends, welcome back to season seven. Woo, we are so excited to be here with you. You know, who would have thunk back when we started out with episode one that we would be coming to you in episode 119, seven seasons later. We are so pumped and excited for this season. We've got some new segments. We've got plenty of new stories, some new features for you to get more involved with the show. Woo, lot to cover, but we're going to get to that. Before we get started, though, Dan. How was your holiday break, brother? Well, thanks for asking, Joey, and great to hear your voice again. It's been uh, a while since I've heard that melodic voice and had a, <laughs> had a great uh, holiday season. As you may or may not know, my birthday is on Christmas as well. So it's yes, indeed. Like double the fun. We had a great time. And, you know, during the break, uh, you and I also got to chat with our brand new partner for this season, Salvi the next generation chatbot. And I'm really excited about this because I'll be honest, I started off as a skeptic on chatbots. And having l- talked with Salvi, I'm now much more excited about chatbots because I understand them better and I understand what they can and can't do. And that's some of what we're going to share with you, the audience, uh, during the season. And I think what will be a really cool segment. Absolutely. Super excited for the Salvi conversations. You know, my holiday was a lot of fun as well. We're settling in here in our new house in Iowa, which I'll be honest, is a bit snowier and a good bit colder than it was in Colorado. But we had a great Christmas with less people than usual, like I'm sure with a lot of our listeners uh, had that same experience. Yay. Thanks, COVID. But still had a lovely time. Although I must confess, Dan, I had a bit of a customer experience snafu, and I wanted to start things off on the show uh, talking about it today. Oh, boy. So not everything was a holly jelly Christmas. (laughs) No, no, it was not. And uh, to be honest, this is something we've talked about before on the show, but this time the scenario showed up in a different way. So let me explain. My incredible wife, Barrett, loves gifts and presents. If you were to look at the book, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman and put her through the test, which we've done many a times, both she and I have taken that test, she scores 12 out of 12 on gifts and presents. So I try to surprise her with gifts and presents whenever I get the chance. And she's very health conscious and we're here in the Midwest now and we've talked about farming and we have a family farm 
And I decided to order her an indoor lettuce farm. So it's basically a vertical garden with grow lights that lets you grow more produce at home, which is better for the environment. It helps keep our family healthy too. And I was super excited about this gift and really wanted to surprise her because she loves surprises, especially when it comes to Christmas. But I'd never ordered for this company before and kind of didn't know what to expect. But I signed up to receive the delivery alerts so I could make sure to sneak the box into the house because I knew it was going to be a big box before she saw it. Uh Uh-oh, I think I know where this is going. Dan, I think you may be correct. Well, here's the scoop. So we're coming up towards Christmas. We're about two weeks out. I receive a message that the package was scheduled to be delivered on a Friday. I'm feeling good. We're going to have it plenty of time to wrap for Christmas. But on Wednesday morning, keep in mind, it's supposed to be delivered on Friday. I come out to the kitchen to find Barrett with kind of a guilty look on her face. Let me guess, she had seen the present. Dan, not only had she seen the present, but the company, who shall rename nameless here, because it's not really their, well, it's debatable as to whether they're to blame for this, but I just hope people will think differently after listening to this segment. The company had written their name in huge letters all over all three of the large boxes, and it was painfully obvious that this was a home-based lettuce growing kit, given the branding. I have to laugh twice, I think. I've, I've laughed, actually. <laughs> Great. Uh, nice. Number one is I, I, I'm still back at the whole concept of a lettuce farm, which I think is outstanding. But if you asked me, hey, Dan, take a guess what we're going to talk about in the first episode of 2021. Lettuce farming wouldn't be it. Uh, it's not, so not going to be what I came up well, with. Well, and knowing you're a big produce guy, Dan, I got to say, it, you can grow more than lettuce, okay? But let's just say... Lettuce was the intention, the brand, it, it, there were just some you. challenges. I got you, yep. And the other thing, though, that I was laughing about was you actually had the opposite experience a few years ago, I believe, with a Lego box. Exactly. I regularly order from Lego, and they go out of their way to ship their boxes blind. That is, they ship them without any branding or labeling. Even the return address is impossible to decipher because they know that their products are often given as gifts. I think that was episode 56 in season three. Oh, our loyal listeners will continue to be impressed with your Rain Man-esque knowledge of our back catalog of episodes, Dan, I guarantee. But yes, the fact that Lego shipped the boxes blind way back in season three, and by the way, they still do it today because Lego was another package that arrived uh, at our house this Christmas and was a, a big hit. It shows that Lego has thought through the trade-offs between promoting their brand and ruining the surprise when the package is delivered, something that I wish this in-house, indoor, vertical farm would have done. You know, I think this is interesting because I'm not so sure that the branding on the boxes does a whole lot. I mean, if you think about it, depending on the community that you live in, it might be sitting at someone's doorstep that, you know, if you have any length of a driveway at all, you can't see from the street. And so unless you're trying to convince the mailman or mailwoman to to purchase from your company, like... I don't think this is one of these cases where millions of people are seeing it. Now, it's all about getting UPS and FedEx drivers to buy more of your product. It could I be. It. I mean, I'm thinking two things. One, obviously the ubiquitous Amazon box, which you see 
you know, a thousand times a day in almost any neighborhood, you know, that might be an exception. But I also, I wonder whether you know this, Joey, do you know that for years you were not allowed to have any branding on anything, on any box shipped through the postal service? And that actually has changed. I have a feeling that Amazon ended up changing that. But for a while, if you, even if you tried to reuse a box, for example, you had to cover up all the branding because the advertising wasn't allowed. Well, I don't exactly remember that, whether it was allowed or not. I'll defer to your expertise on this, Dan. But I do agree with you that there's kind of this healthy mix. And I know, for example, Apple intentionally doesn't say Apple on the box because they don't want people stealing the boxes, right? So I And I also get that there's this fine line between if your packaging also shows up in a retail environment, you might want to have it boxed in a certain way because it's going to sit in a store and be visible and it kind of almost becomes an you know in-store advertisement. But this company, to my knowledge, only sells online. And I just, uh, you know, I'll admit, I was a little bit bummed that the surprise was given up, not because of me, but because of the packaging of the box. So what could this company have done differently? Well, I'm not saying that branding your packaging is bad. In fact, when done properly, it's a great way to market and promote your offerings. However, If you think there is a chance that someone might purchase your product as a gift, especially around the holiday season, it would be a great experience to let purchasers choose their delivery packaging. Or if that's too logistically complicated, at least let them know that the package will be arriving with lots of external branding so they can prepare themselves accordingly. You don't want to be the brand that ruined Christmas and there is nothing worse than creating a bad brand experience before the customer has even opened the box. Just because you have required elements of your business doesn't mean they need to be boring. It's time to get creative, have some fun, and make people sit up and take notice. Get your customers talking when you make the required remarkable. I saw an interesting post on Medium recently from Tom Whitwell called 52 Things I Learned in 2020. Tom is a managing consultant at Flux in London, and he shared a fascinating list of learnings, including one in particular that stood out to me. Number three on his list, the hold music you hear when you phone Octopus Energy is personalized to your customer account. It's a number one record from the year you were 14. Well, first of all, Octopus Energy could be the best name of any energy company I've ever heard. It's an awesome name. But I love the concept of a personalized hold music. I mean, we did talk about hold music way back in season one, episode six, when we talked about wow. I'm hold. <laughs> that one impressed even me, ladies and gentlemen. Uh-huh. That's and also, I'm, I'm going to double down and say that we also talked about hold music on our other show, Experience Point, the game show. And Scott McCain was our guest that day. And uh, we, we showed a couple different uh, hold music examples, but nothing personalized to the year that you were 14 years old. This one feels really special. So when I first saw this, I had to learn more. So I checked out the Octopus Energy website and found some cheeky messaging, and I say cheeky because they're over in London, that match their creative hold music. Now, this is how their About Us page reads on the website. And I quote, we're doing energy better for you and for the environment. The energy industry in Britain is ruled by a handful of complacent dinosaurs peddling fossil fuels, pricing trickery, and poor customer service. 
In 2016, Octopus entered the market to disrupt the status quo with energy that's good for the planet, good for your wallet, and honestly, good for your soul. Since then, we've been picking up 30,000 customers a month on average and now supply energy to 1.5 million UK homes and counting. To this day, 92% of our customers rate us as five stars excellent on Trustpilot and we're the only supplier to be recommended by consumer champion Witch year after year after year after year. Okay, now I get the octopus joke because it's comparing to dinosaurs. There's a a lot of fun and games going on. Outstanding. No, that's, uh, I mean, gosh, where to start? You know, also, I just love communication. I love words and how we talk to customers. And I do believe that every chance we have to communicate with customers in any channel is an opportunity to create an experience. That's why we have this whole segment called Required Remarkable because so much of our communication is required. And we don't have to just make it boring. We can make it really interesting. And it seems like, uh, as they're saying, that what they're doing is working because their customers love them. And let's recall, people, this is an energy company. Yeah, that's the thing. This is an energy company and 92% of their customers rate them as five stars. Like we could just stop right there. I got to tell you, Dan, I wanted to become a customer of Octopus Energy and figure out how to make that happen, even though they're based in the UK, because I was so intrigued by this. Well, and then I tracked down the specific page on their website that talks about their hold music. And I quote, shut up and hold me. At Octopus Energy, everything we make starts with the customer. So what does that mean for hold music? Well, if we have your birth date on file, we'll play the song that was number one when you were 14 years old. Keen to know what your octopus jam is? Just select your birth year below and we'll let you know. And then you can type in your birth year and it tells you what the song would be. And I love this. I think it's a beautiful example of creating a required remarkable strategy that takes advantage of a nostalgia trend play. Do go on, Joey. Say more about that. Well, I think, you know, as you mentioned earlier, Dan, we talk about this idea that there are required elements of your business that you have the chance to make remarkable, yet most businesses don't do that. We've also talked about in previous episodes uh, this whole idea of a nostalgia play, especially for folks who are over 30. And as you get older, the numbers, the desire for nostalgia increases even more. That if you can reach back and grab something from the past and bring it to the present, it gives us warm, fuzzy feelings inside. And I don't know about you, but at about 14, music really started to play a different role in my life than it had before. And this idea of anchoring into some key songs that were right at that transitional period in life, I think is a great way to take customers of any age and bring them back to some really positive feelings around music. Agreed. And nostalgia, I think, always plays. It's it's, uh, personalized in and of itself. We obviously all feel nostalgic about different things, but music is something that brings people together. And, you know, the 14... I'm sure some report told them that 14 was the ideal year, but I think you're right that, you know, that somewhere in your teenage years is where you really start connecting with music and, and you remember those, those songs. And, you know, Joey, I couldn't help but notice that you and I have the same birth year. We do. We do. I'm born at the beginning of the year. You're a little youngster. You're born more towards the end of the year, but 
I think it'd be, uh, I wonder if any of our listeners could guess, given that you and I were born in 1973, what the number one song was when we were 14. Oh, goodness. How about that? Who would have thought that two jokers like us would get to have the number one song when we were 14 be the song that is infamous on the internet? Fantastic. Love it. And uh, it's certainly that that song gets me humming every time and singing out loud. So I, I think it would work if I were waiting on hold. And I also love the fact that I just want to go back to the fact that you said the website started with shut up and hold me. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, I, I said before about the I'm on hold song, my first experience ever with that song I literally felt like I didn't want the conference call to start because I wanted to hear the end of the song. And think about how different that is from the feeling you normally have when you're on hold. And so, yeah, obviously, ideally, no one would be on hold ever. But given that that does seem to be a fact of life, playing a song that you know the person's going to be rocking out to is a great idea. Absolutely. You know, friends, Auditing your customer touch points and looking for ways to enhance them is always a good idea, but it seems particularly timely at the beginning of a new year. You can get some fast wins, you can instill a sense of creativity, and really start things off on the right foot, or the right note, as one might decide. So take some inspiration from the fine folks at Octopus Energy and go find ways to make the required elements of your business more remarkable. Almost everyone has interacted with chatbots, but all too often, it's been a bad experience. In Mythbusters, presented by Solvi, we explore a common myth about CX chatbots and see how the right technology can create a positive experience every time. Today's myth about chatbots Chatbots aren't smart. Have you ever had the chance to ask a chatbot something that you think is a very simple question and you get a response like, I don't understand, or try asking again? That's my chatbot robot voice, by the way. This is not only frustrating, but it leaves me feeling like I'm wasting my time. And as a result, I end up desperately seeking a human. Now, while there is a myth that chatbots aren't smart, the reality is that modern chatbots are intelligent. Chatbots are now using NLP, an abbreviation for Natural Language Processing, which also allows a chatbot to interpret a customer question along with the intent behind it, regardless of how it's expressed in a chat. For example, you might not have received a package that you were expecting, maybe something special you ordered for Christmas. If you were to type in, I haven't received my package yet, or even more specifically, my indoor lettuce farm is missing... Modern chatbots like Solvi interpret the intention you have to track or locate your package. The chatbot then guides the customer to the right place to do this. Fast resolution, a happy customer. No support ticket necessary. Now that sounds like a much better customer experience. It is about time that the technology started to understand what I want, even if I don't say it as clearly as I could. We'll learn more about advances in chatbot and support automation throughout the season. That's another myth busted. 
Thanks to our friends at Solvi, the next-gen chatbot. Have you ever found yourself saying, I wonder what Dan and Joey would think about this situation? Well, guess what? Now you can know. Just tag us on social or message us through our website with a customer experience scenario, a question, or anything else you're curious about. And you'll get to hear our answers when you ask us anything. We are super excited to introduce a brand new segment this season, here in Season 7, doing things new, friends, called Ask Us Anything. Similar to the famous Ask Me Anything, or AMA, that started on Reddit, in the Ask Us Anything segment of our show, listeners submit a question, scenario, or topic for Joey and me to discuss, but the topics will all be customer experience related. Now, part of the credit for this segment goes to Tony Amante Shepers, the Director of Operations, Customer Success, and Customer Experience at OYO USA. Tony recently wrote an article on LinkedIn about the importance of sharing your company culture as part of your interview process. And he tagged Dan and me to get our thoughts on the subject. Now, let's be honest. Tony's a great guy. We appreciate him tagging us. Always good to tag Dan first on the socials, friends. He's the social media expert. Get stuff out there on the socials for Dan. If you want to tag me as well, that's fine too. But long story short, we saw the article and we thought, this would be a fun way to have a new segment on the show. Agreed. So it worked, Tony. And let's give you a brief overview of his article. It was called Four Steps to Sharing Company Culture During the Interview Process and Why You Need to. In the article, Tony shares research that the number one reason someone stays with an employer is culture. And the number one reason someone leaves an employer is culture. He goes on to define company culture as, quote, the day-to-day way things get done, how coworkers communicate with each other, how they communicate to the client, how often leadership mingles with, and if they listen to those lower on the totem pole, the frequency in which wins are shared and celebrated company-wide, and the way in which losses are treated as learning moments, not slaps on the hand, unquote. Tony notes that while there is certainly a lot of churn in the marketplace when it comes to employment right now, quote, what will keep an employee present once the pandemic and lockdown ends is the employer valuing the hire from day one. And by day one, what Tony means is from the start of the interview process. He believes that, quote, it's vital to show how company culture operates, how a business communicates internally to accomplish daily tasks. Tony outlines the four steps to sharing company culture as follows. One, get an internal pulse check. By surveying employees about how they rate internal communication and then sharing that broadly across the organization and with new hires. Two, try out new modes of communication, video, social media, etc. Show the world, the business, and the faces behind it. Number three, Conduct a culture fit interview, giving job candidates a brief personality test to see if their approach to problem solving will be a good fit for your company culture. And number four, share how teams talk. Be transparent in the interview process about how employees use things like Slack, Microsoft Teams, email, voicemails, happy hours, all hands meetings, etc. So now that we've laid the foundation of Tony's hypothesis that 
culture really matters and that you should show that as part of the interview process. What do you think about this, Dan? I love the idea because the culture is one of the things that's really hard to suss out as an interviewee. Right. If you think about it, you're going in, you're talking to people, their job is essentially to say nice things about the company. And so if you're doing your research, you're probably looking at sites like Glassdoor or you're calling somebody who used to work there or what have you to get the real scoop because the front that companies put on is, you know, might as well be put out by the PR department with no offense to PR departments because it is always so positive, right? And then you get there and it's like, oh, well, you know, you didn't tell me this part. I'll give you a real life example uh, from my career, Joy, and I know you know this one, is uh, I signed on to be the head of global social media at McDonald's. And it was not until my first day of work that I learned that in McDonald's culture, the United States is not part of global. That might have been something mind opening experience. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it might have been something that would have been cool to discuss in the interview. It never came up. I didn't know that the company was divided into domestic and global and that global meant everything but the US. But man, that was a real (laughs) eye opener on day one. And I think that, you know, the cultural things like, I mean, he mentioned Slack, for example. I was at a company, a, a, a late stage startup. It was my first ever exposure to Slack. I fell in love with it. I loved it. My emails were much, I, I got much fewer emails during the day. It was a great way to communicate. But man, if you've never used it before, that might be something that's scary. Or, or if you have used it like I have and you didn't like it, if I found out after I got on the job that it was a Slack shop, that everybody was using Slack, no offense to the great team at Slack and what they have built, I would not be super happy about that because it's like, oh, on top of fitting in, I need to fit in in the way that you're fitting in with the technology tools. And that was the one I really liked. You know, I liked all the examples that Tony gave, but that one in particular, I thought was a great way to give people exposure. Like maybe let them see not only that you use Slack, but what are some of the chats? What are the things that are people saying? I think channels is the phrase that they use in Slack, you know? Invite them to your happy hour. Invite your interviewees to come to your happy hour and see, are these the kind of people we want to hang out with? So, by the way, we have a very old segment we have not used in a really long time. It might even be in retirement. We're going to have to pull it out. It's called Agree to Disagree. Oh, bring us back. We're, yeah. we're going to have one about Slack, Joey, because oh, great. I, I love, love Slack. I love it. Yeah. And I think we should have that conversation. So that'll be a future episode. Thank you, Tony. You are just continuing to contribute to our show. But you're right. The the happy hours, the meetings... Even what people, how, how people dress, what's appropriate and not in terms of, you know, a lot, uh, in startup culture, there's things like ping pong tables and, and snacks and all that sort of thing. And you get used to some of that stuff. But then it's also, you know, you switch to a more traditional company and that stuff all goes away. Or things like open seating that's become, that, that pre-COVID was becoming so popular. That is something personally that I never particularly enjoyed. I always liked having, you know, my own space where I can put a picture frame and, you know, my coffee mug and stuff like that. And, and having to just show up and pick a cube every day was very unnerving to me. So I do think those are all things that are very relevant to culture. And then obviously what's not being said here is that 
when employees are happy, when they like the culture, when they enjoy going to work every day, that then gets projected onto the customers. And customers can see when employees like where they're working. I mean, I always like to give the example of when you walk into a fast food restaurant and uh, and that person behind the counter, it looks like you're interrupting their otherwise pleasant day by wanting to place an order. You right. know, and that really... That, Sorry that, for interrupting you. Yeah, that gives you a good sense for what it's like to work at that company. Absolutely. And I think the the parallel, some people might be listening to this saying, well, wait a second, guys, how does this connect to customer experience? Well, and as we talk about a lot on the show, customer experience and employee experience are two sides of the same coin. I think when you think about the culture of your organization, that absolutely spills into your customer interactions. And you want to make sure that a new employee is going to get the fit. They're going to want to understand how you communicate. I mean, go back to the earlier conversation we had in this episode about octopus energy. If you're a buttoned up, straight-laced, you know, traditional conservative corporate business person, you're probably not going to fit in well at a place like Octopus Energy. That's my guess just based on the language they use on their website. So I think at the end of the day, there's a real opportunity to preview what it's going to be like to be an employee as much as possible, because if we can get folks to understand before they start the job what the job is really going to be like, there's a much higher likelihood that it's going to be successful for everyone, not only the employee, but for the folks that are inviting this new employee in. If you'd like to submit a question, a topic, or a theory about customer experience that you'd like us to discuss as part of our next Ask Us Anything segment, it's pretty easy. You can just tag us on social media like Tony did or visit experiencethisshow.com, go to the contact page, and send us a little message with your question. And hey, Tony, we're going to send you a package of surprise and delight for asking our first question. And well, we might do it for the second, third, fourth, fifth, and 20th questions too. We look forward to answering more of your questions throughout the season. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Experience This. You're the best listener ever. And since you listened to the whole show, yay you. We're curious, was there a specific part of this episode that you enjoyed the most? If so, it would mean the world to us if you could share it with a coworker, a friend, or someone that just loves listening to podcasts. And while you're in the sharing mood, if you felt inclined to jump over to iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts and write us a review, we would so appreciate it. And when you do, don't forget to let us know as we might have a little surprise for you. Thanks again for your time and we'll see you next week for more Experience This. Yes.